Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. So in today's episode, we're going to explore the efficacy of using VR to help train law students. One company, Law School AI, firmly believes that the traditional methods of teaching law can be enhanced by embracing new cutting-edge technology. By stepping into virtual shoes of lawyers and participating in carefully curated mock VR trials, students might gain deeper insight for sure hands-on experience. So on today's show, we have the fortunate to talk to Garrison English and Kyle Brookover. These guys are co-founders of Law School AI and are diving in to the VR slash metaverse world. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Craig. We're both very excited to be here. I always like to start with an origin story, and that is just in general, from a personal perspective, what got you guys, what got VR on your radar? What got you interested in VR? Maybe start with you, Kyle. So the origin story for me starts in a copyright class of last spring. I'm a 2L at this point. And I was watching a student in front of me navigate the UI and UX of ChatGPT with really no roadmap. And that's kind of where the serendipity epiphany moment happened where I texted Garrison. And I said, hey, I have this idea that there's this whole new market for legal education with AI that no one's really tapped into yet with content creation and being a publisher and actually offering tools for it. And you see all the stuff about how AI is going to democratize the world and make everything cheaper. And that's all just in the realm of words. And that's kind of where me and Garrison thought of actually creating something of value and first we started with the ebook and then we took the ebook into an application and we we really just thought about it as if the application could hold its own until people really get really familiar with ai and that's kind of where we pivoted and also brought in the aspect of the 2d games and the vr world where we said okay now we have these four different sectors where we're not only a publisher and offering our own tools but now we can put the student in the courtroom to not only be a lawyer, but maybe they can sit in the eyes of the judge or the witness or the jury, and they can recreate these moments over and over. And that's kind of where the VR serendipity moment really just hit for all, me and Garrison. And we've been building it ever since. And I'm really, really excited for all the aspects of it to come. Before Garrison chimes in on that, Kyle, had you ever put on a VR headset prior to sort of looking at this? I believe I did one time for a golf uh, simulation. And I believe that wherever I was, you were able to hold a golf club with a golf club controller. And it was really fascinating to me that I thought in 20 years, you could go play Pebble Beach from your living room at one point. So that's what really started piquing my interest in VR. And obviously, it's gone so much more advanced since then. How about you, Garrison? Yeah, so if we're saying VR in general, especially, you know, when VR came out for video games, I was very interested in that, going and seeing new worlds, you know, what Kyle's talking about as far as simulator, sports, you know, whatever it may be, being on Mars. I was very interested in that when it came to just basic, fun, interactive video games. 
when I had started using VR and I don't have an immense background, but I probably played about 20 hours worth of VR games. And um, that really just sparked my interest in the field. I thought so many different applications here. Right. Um, But I was not really focused on that with law school until like Kyle said, both he and I kind of spoke about it and we were more on the AI side, but we really had kind of thought, you know, there's such a gap between what students are getting as far as hands-on and interactive learning. And I'm sure, you know, with you, Craig, in the K to 12 space, but then also even worse in higher education, um, this really sparked my interest in saying, hey, this is easily applicable in the legal space and can be used to really prep students to prepare themselves to be ready practicing attorneys at the time they actually get thrust into the real world. Yeah. And your story is a great one. And it really resonated with me when I saw a post on LinkedIn and it showed a video snippet or a little clip of you guys envisioning using a virtual space to do mock trials. So let's kind of unpack that a little bit more. You know, my first question is, has the space been used yet with some of your students or is it sort of a work in progress? So it's certainly still a work in progress. Um, We have started building that out, I would say, about the beginning or middle of May. And then we had brought some others on to help that had some immense background in VR and kind of model creation as well, right? So the space has not been used yet by anyone that's outside of our team. And we have showed it to a fair amount of people. But in actual use, no one outside of our team has gotten access to it yet. Um, Our goal is to have the pre-scripted because our VR mock trial right now is pre-scripted to where students will approach a judge and be told kind of how to interact with the judge. It'll also the game will prompt them to when they should be bringing up a witness or approaching the jury stand or when to present evidence Um, In the VR space, we have the ability to present physical evidence. So in this, it'll be a gun. Um, And then we have a projector where they can present pictures of, you know, various documents and things of that nature, crime scene and so forth. That would really mimic what would occur in a real life courtroom. Um, So, yeah, along with that, the the pre-scripted portion allows them to walk through and really interact with these avatars in the way that they would in a regular courtroom setting. Amazing. Um, one affordance that VR provides is, of course, the realistic background. So instead of you know learning it in a classroom, you know you're literally plopping the learner into this contextually relevant environment. And in your guys' case, it's a digital twin of some courtroom out there, probably. However, you know that's all fine and dandy. But if we think of this virtual world that you guys are getting someone to create. Are there any nuances that you think about in a real courtroom that maybe the digital twin that you guys are about to use may not afford for a learner? Anything that strikes you when you go through the process of learning to be a a lawyer in the real world versus the virtual world that maybe it can't be repeated? Yeah, I can answer that first. Then Kyle, you chime in whenever you need to. Um, Essentially, what I would say the main portion, and this is what we're trying to build in, is the interaction, the the immediate interaction back and forth. So right now, as we're speaking, this is how it would occur in a courtroom, right? I would speak to a judge, speak to a witness, there would be immediate feedback. And what we're trying to build into our games to kind of bridge that gap is to have an LLM 
be prompted into our avatars to where instead of just having the pre-scripted option, you're able to now in the hopefully current future by the end of August is our goal, be speaking to the judge in a text-to-speech LLM that then the judge has been prompted in a very specific way to speak back to you as they would in this specific part of a murder trial. That will go for every single other, I guess you could call them non-playing characters, such as the witnesses, the jurors, the opposing counsel, so that, yeah, I, I would say that is the big, big difficulty is what you get in a courtroom of speaking, being on your toes, getting immediate feedback, and, you know, having that freak out where you do have to think on your toes and have something to say almost immediately, right? You can't sit there and think about it for 45 minutes and then respond in a real courtroom. So having the ability of the that interaction kind of with the LLM and even setting a timer where a student does have to reply to the question being prompted and then set amount of time will really add in that ability to take away the nuance of the actual interaction that would occur in a courtroom. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, so I think that there's two aspects that are really hard to replicate. And for me, that's the jury selection itself. And I know that some famous quote out there is that legal battles are won and lost during the jury selection. And to recreate the actual community of people you're selecting from is just something hard to do with everybody being from different cities and different states. And also the realistic output of doing hearsay objections during evidence is something that we've been really talking about. And, you know, is that we break it apart into different sections and different models and interfaces for the VR components, or do we all keep it in one logical hierarchy for one structured courtroom? And as we move forward, I think that new versions will roll out and we'll figure out those answers. But right now it's really hard to tell down the line how we're going to navigate those problems and offer solutions for them. But I think the easiest way to look at all this right now is when a student is preparing for mock trials and trying to get into moot court, this is a great tool where you can actually see how all this plays out with your own eyes. Instead of watching a YouTube video, you're actually going to be in the field. So that's about everything I can think of at the moment. One criticism I've heard, and it hasn't been for this use case in particular, it's been, you know, in the healthcare industry where nurses are doing like pre-screening of patients coming in and their big hang up, which I'll be interested to get your guys' opinion on this is in VR right now, there's really no ability to jot down notes and everyone sort of is pretty old school that way where, you know, you're in the heat of a debate and you want to write something down. Do you see that as a problem? Or do you think, you know, as you become more of an expert in law, as a litigator, you have to, as Garrison alluded to, think on your toes anyway, and writing something down isn't necessarily thinking on your toes? I think you definitely have to have both. Obviously, if I was an attorney of 40 years and had done X amount of trials, there's things I'm going to be able to say off the top of my head just because I've gone through the process in the past, right? But the the notes component, especially in law, is very important to kind of structure what it is you're thinking, doing, and going to really respond with next. 
So that actually is something that we talked about last week of implementing. And we do have a notes tab that is accessible throughout the entire mock trial. And I think not only will that be good for a student to take notes on what they're currently doing in the trial and how to proceed through, but also be able to reference those notes after and go, hey, this is where I messed up. Hey, I could do better this time. Maybe I should have taken a note or now I know to do this here or there. So the notes section, especially getting the feedback when you're going through the pre-scripted game will really allow students to retain and keep more and give them the ability to go back and look through what they had done prior, um, but also allow them to take notes and be looking at something while they're playing the game real time as well. Kyle alluded to this, and it's actually a great segue into my next section of questions. And he talked about jury selection. And there's been some research now already about avatars and in particular a lot of companies and organizations are are doing what's called diversity equity and inclusion training to get us to understand you know in the wake of the George Floyd and all this happening and bubbling up you know are we treating each other respectfully so to speak or are we taking you know unconscious biases and starting to project them into how we treat people so in VR as you know a person has the ability to be whoever they want through an avatar system. And, you know, is that a problem? I, again, w- with my limited knowledge of watching Suits and Law and Order, I can't help but think uh, that it's hard, it's hard to shut that down. You know, the color of your skin, how you look, unfortunately, unconscious bias does play a role. So is this good, Kyle or Garrison, that we could change avatars and create people either through jury selection or even, you know, the defendant versus the plaintiff, you know, changing their persona and what they look like? Is that helpful to law or will this be a tricky, slippery slope when they have to go to the real world? So I think it's a tough question because of the flexibility of it and by flexibility, I mean that maybe a student will learn better by choosing avatars that make them feel more comfortable. And that gives a student a sense of being able to be who they actually are. Because I know a lot of times students are often scared to speak out in class as they don't want to be labeled as somebody or they don't want to go ask a dumb question in front of their peers. And maybe being able to choose the avatars would actually make them feel more comfortable. And on the same side of the same coin, on the different side of the same coin, there's the fact that there's misrepresentation and as in students might choose avatars that are inappropriate and honestly give them a false sense of how actually the courtroom is conducted. Right. Yeah. And, you know, kind of a dirty secret when it comes to jury selection, there will be race that does play a role when it comes into some type of jury selection at some point where depending on where you're trying the case and so forth, depending on who's being tried. I mean, these are things that no one would ever say on paper if they're actually going into trial, but these are the facts of life, whether people want to admit it or not. And really jumping through those hoops when it comes to VR, as Kyle was stating, we want the student to be able to choose and make their experience as much as they want it to be unique and blended to what they're doing. But also you do have to give them when it comes to actually learning how the real world is going to work, which is what we're trying to emulate and simulate here, right? Is the fact that the the courtroom will be very diverse and there are some things that you cannot control about it. So 
almost setting a option for students to choose, but then at some point saying, hey, this is how it's going to be. And maybe creating modules to kind of explain that this is how our courtroom works or, you know, and it's difficult to talk about, but this is how race does play a role in the courtroom setting and in the jury selection or age or gender or whatever it may be when it comes into the actual jury selection process and difficulties that come with making those decisions so that you can be successful in your uh, trial. I mean, that that's something it's very, very difficult to uh, kind of talk about because people do get upset. It's a really hot topic, but it's something that has to be talked about and dealt with and it can't be shied away from because then someone's just not going to be prepared for when they do go into the real world and how to tackle these situations. So building in the, uh, the diversity of the VR world is something that we've absolutely done. That was actually something at the beginning we discussed for all of our avatars to be of various backgrounds, ethnicities, so forth, especially when it came to the jurors as well. Um, but yeah, just keeping that at the forefront when we're making these so that they are realistic as possible and that they are also kind of covering every every group out there that would be represented in a trial is something that we are absolutely implementing. And I love how you, go ahead, Kyle. Yep. Sorry. So to add on to that, I think something that's really important also to speak about is where are these where are these cases being held? What is the community like? Is it very democratic or is it very Republican community? And that's just something that you don't really learn in law school is the jury selection itself. So there's just a lot of functions of actually adding all this real life um, scenarios into our game. And obviously that's just for more down the road. I love that you're using the term game because, you know, when we think of a game, often we play a game and we can have, you know, the beginner level or we could pick like an intermediate or an expert sort of level within the game. And, you know, this again is for me personally been a great part to VR because you can scaffold it. You can have a, a bunch of people who are really brand new to, in your case, to law and be able to maybe only exhibit them to like the easy version of the game, or you could program it or code it or create a scenario or a situation where these kids are really catching on quickly, these law students. And so let's ramp them up to a harder level. And so I love that sort of notion of using the terminology game, even just, you know, using the courtroom for tiny key vocabulary like you know here's what you had like you mentioned this before garrison here's the first thing when you enter a courtroom this is what's going to happen go ahead try that first and many people be like well that's kind of beginner-ish but people need that and they need a, a venue like a virtual world to be able to scaffold this process and so i love that you sort of look at it with that lens um yeah, I, oh sorry go ahead no i was just going to say anything to add to that before we move on Right. So I, I think when it, especially it becomes the beginning side, and I know this isn't directly VR, but it ties back in with the gamification. That is when we had the idea to kind of gamify and create this interactive learning experience. We saw the VR and how useful it could be for some components, but that's why we created this 2D, much quicker, more simple playthrough that is an interactive gamification of black letter law learning. Um, so for me, I would say those go from beginner, you know, two, three, four minute gameplay all the way to about 20 minute gameplay. But alluding back to the VR side, currently what we'll offer can be anywhere between about two to 10 hours of gameplay, depending on how the student, how quick the student is. 
But what you were discussing as in scaffolding, breaking it down, making a simpler version and then much more complex version is something that we're doing um, in the future, especially after we kind of fine tune this big, complete trial here. We will be breaking it down, not just by what occurs in a trial, but as I talked about earlier, more so of even things that are, you know, such as client intake and interacting with a client or a deposition or a negotiation and Having those various levels of difficulty will absolutely be crucial so that, you know, even someone who might be in high school, because we've spoken to people who want to figure out how to get this into high schools that might just have a little interest in law, they can go in and kind of see what is going on and kind of learn the various ins and outs at a very beginning level. I was, again, I, I'm a big fan of suits and I've, of course, watched that religiously. And I can't help but think about Harvey Specter, who his whole modem of operation is to never enter the court. And so you mentioned what sparked a question in my mind that I thought of is negotiation. And so let's say you're partway through a trial. Is there like a back room that you've designed yet that someone could go to to meet with their client outside of the courtroom and negotiate maybe a plea deal or something like that? Or you, right now you just have the main courtroom set up? So right now, that is not something that we've built in, but is absolutely something we were planning on. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, all, adding in any of those components. And that's why what we're doing right now is speaking with a lot of students and deans and professors too, because I'm fairly new to the practice of law. I've been practicing law for about two years you know, as an attorney, but I've worked in law firms for about another four years. Kyle's still in law school so we're speaking to a lot of different people to try and see all these various components we can add to something because we have not thought of everything. And that's why we are going through and trying to be collaborative with teachers, not only to figure out how they can implement this because VR and then the other side of what we do, AI is a scary hot topic for everyone right now, for you know teachers of all kind, but particularly in law. So that, that's why um, building in some of those other components is something that is on our radar, but we have not currently done that just yet. And so when people go into the, the virtual world, the courtroom per se, is the experience completely asynchronous whereby all or most of the avatars are run by some language learning model? Or is it a little bit of both where you might enter the courtroom, some of the avatars will be real people somewhere in their home or whatever with a VR headset, and they're interacting. However, some of the things like you mentioned, the judge might be running off like ChatGPT or some other uh, large language model. Yeah, currently they are all asynchronous run off of LLMs. Correct. So this is our future as well. And what we're kind of proposing to move forward um, in our next games as well. And these will be applicable even to the mock trial currently. What you're talking about with real people, I think will add in an entire other dynamic. So one of our goals is to right now, you play the pre-scripted game against the computer. You are graded off of the AI that's grading you, right? And it's a right or wrong when the pre-scripted. Then we're going to be adding in that LLM experience where those avatars are prompted and you're speaking to them, having a, a kind of a template that the AI is grading your responses to, but they're real life, real time responses that you're getting feedback from the LLM and avatars with. Thirdly, and I think is going to be extremely important, is where students can compete in one mock trial against one another they're competing or maybe they're on the same team and they're they're you know playing against the computer and this will allow for people all over the world to compete against one another get real reps against real life people which will bring in that real life element 
um, as well as what we were thinking in the beginning when the mock trial kind of came up, schools being able to play against one another as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a major component, kind of bring in all of those different aspects instead of just you're playing a pre-scripted computer or you're just going up against an LLM or an AI bot. You're able to also play students as well. But giving you all three of those options and learning in those three different ways, we want the student to have. So all those options will be available. I know, again, I'm not an expert by any means when it comes to this genre, but uh, uh, I can't help but think of the notion that courts are so steeped in tradition. And so, you know, if we think of how this might play out in the next five or 10 years, this could be very disruptive. I know healthcare is trying to wrap their head around this as well, you know, trying to meet maybe a doctor instead of having to drive down to the, to the medical clinic to meet the doctor in VR with your headset at home. You know, so give me your prediction on what would be the stumbling blocks to actually moving court in the United States to this kind of modality where the person doesn't actually have to drive down to a courtroom into a physical location, but could just plop on their headset and join court where the judge is at home, the lawyers are all wherever, and the plaintiff and the defendant are also just at home wearing VR headsets. How feasible is this in your guys' mind? So what I would say is the stumbling blocks for me, because I've sat through during COVID some depositions that were in Zoom. Oh, so sorry. They were in Zoom. No worries. And there were, there were some really big hiccups there because you could tell the whole time that the witness was on his phone and that the opposing attorney and opposing counsel was sitting there just going back and forth with him, leading him, telling him how to answer questions, telling him when to take breaks, which in a courtroom, that would be immediately seen and would be shut down immediately. And you'd be obviously in trouble for that, right? Um, so I think coming up with spaces where we can ensure, like if the VR trial could somehow be held in a space where they ensure that the, the person being deposed or the people in the courtroom, even the virtual courtroom, do not have access to things that they're not supposed to have access to, whether it be shutting down in a safe space, you know, you have to put all your phones away here before you go into the, you know, the office area where your team's going to be sitting, even though it's on VR, but it's in your, you know, your law firm's office, whatever it may be. I think that is going to be a big stumbling block, kind of the safety um, and protocols there. But that would, that what I would say would be one of the main ones is kind of just cheating because you can be outside. It's like, you know, you've seen students taking exams through VR where they kind of have someone watching them, but they God only knows what they're doing with their hands underneath the desk or, you know, all the papers that are sitting right next to them that they've printed out because right now, just like here, you can only see a face. So, yeah. What about you, so Kyle? For me, so for me, I think a lot of ethical considerations, the first one being misrepresentation, who is actually representing you? Is it the lawyer that says it's representing you? Or is somebody else put on the glasses per se? And then there's obviously attorney-client privilege where the, cl the client wants to tell the attorney something, but they're not actually in person. So now they're telling it over the internet. And obviously that leads to a worm full of ethical possibilities. And I think that there's also the dynamic that not everyone's going to be able to afford hmm. VR, uh, gla VR glasses or VR technology. and 
there's really going to be the diet. The logistics of actually getting people into the courtroom in the VR world and actually letting them learn how to use the tools to set up the actual VR court is another ethical consideration that we have to think of. But as time goes on, technology will get cheaper, technology will get better, and obviously the courts will play it out. And there'll be people most likely in the Ninth Circuit and other very liberal uh, courts that probably go along with this tech. So it's just something that we'll have to see play out. Well, I'm so glad you guys are trying it, trialing it with students. I think that's a great sort of use case. I'm mindful of time, gentlemen. Is there anything maybe that's been left unsaid that you were hoping to talk about on the show or a plug or something that you want to end with? Sure, Kyle. If you want to go, and I know we've spoken about the gamification side a little bit, but Kyle can speak a little bit about what we offer on the other side. It's not as applicable to VR, but I do believe that since this is kind of VR and education, right? This is kind of bringing the entirety of what we're offering on the education side. So it's not just the interactive fun, what are you going to do as an attorney, but actually learning the black letter law in a much more interactive, hands-on way that is much more efficient as well. So I will let Kyle talk about kind of our other two pillars that we're offering at Law School AI as well. So when I try to describe Law School AI, I break it down into three different sectors, law, school, and then AI. And so there's three facets of it where we're actually a school that's not only about AI, but also the law. And by not only offering the VR and 2D games, we also publish tool reviews and how to use the interfaces of commercial LLMs like ChatGBT, Claude 2, Perplexity. And we're trying to give all these tools to students because if all this information is out there, some students are going to leverage it and some students are going to have no clue how to actually use these tools. And so the goal with Law School AI is to help other students leverage technology to kind of level the playing field now that law school is completely ratified with all this AI technology. And because of that, we offer a eight toggle tool that's pretty much all about learning black letter law, anything from true or false questions to multiple choice to mnemonics. And really the whole goal here is to help the student not break the bank while they're already paying student loans. And with the VR, that'll be sort of the moot court aspect of law school AI for the moment until we branch off into skill classes and skill learning. And I think that there's real potential here for students to find a new way to learn law, which is supposed to be fun and adaptive rather than just traditional. Well said, Kyle. Garrison, your finishing talk. Yeah, no, I think Kyle covered it great. And um, I really am excited as we go through and are talking to students and deans, kind of the feedback we're getting, even though some of these deans are, are have been in law for 40 years and they do have some fear, us really being able to come in and ex like kind of explain to them not only the VR side, but the AI, AI side of how useful it can be and how helpful it can be to them and their students and really just the entire education process has been has been really awesome and really gives me hope that this will really be implemented 
hopefully one day into actual law school curriculum, not only in the U.S., but around the world as well. So we're very excited to be getting the feedback we're getting. We're always looking for collaboration from people in the legal education field or anyone outside and just education at large that's trying to create more interactive, fun, hands-on way for students to learn whatever it may be they are studying. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my closing statements is that we're really excited to get the feedback we've gotten thus far and are always looking to talk to anyone um, on how we can better our products and offer other products that will really, you know, kind of encapsulate everything a student does need to learn and cover while in their legal education process. And kudos to you guys, because I think more and more higher ed institutions need to start to wrap their head around the notion that it has to be more interactive. It has to be more engaging. You know, you see some of the scary enrollment numbers when it comes to higher ed and how some students are just disenchanted with the amount of money that they're paying and they're sitting there, you know, passively taking notes and, and never being given the opportunity to lean into their learning. So, you know, hats off to you guys. If people want to get a hold of you, what, what's the best way? How, how would they want to learn more? So you can always reach out to me at Garrison English on LinkedIn. I try to be pretty, uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. So I know that's kind of where we met and that's where I like to post a lot about what we do. Um, and then you can definitely go check us out. We're constantly building out our webpage that is adding all of our offerings as they come ready um, at lawschoolai.com. And then Kyle, you go ahead. Yeah, I think that our LinkedIn and our Twitter are great places to get in touch with us too. And obviously we have our email on our webpage for anybody that wants to get out, get in touch with us. So those would probably be the three main places I would go. And obviously anybody can reach out to me on my LinkedIn at Kyle Burkover. Amazing. I'll put that in the show notes too. Listen, gentlemen, thanks for spending a good half an hour just talking about this new endeavor. And uh, I appreciate uh, all the time that you've spent with me. So have a wonderful day. Absolutely. Thank you so much and hope to talk again soon. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.